Welcome to Kick Back with Chris, Kick Back with Chris, the martial arts podcast. Hi guys, Chris here again. It's time for another episode of Kickback with Chris and this week I'm going to be joined by not only uh, regular co-host uh, Matthew Chapman but also Steve Lawson, um, UK-based film director and somebody I've had the pleasure of working with uh, multiple times over the years. Um, I sat down with him after um, a quick meeting that we had. Um, I was actually on my way back from the uh, Leicester Martial Arts Gathering. Um, Steve very kindly invited me over for a, for a quick catch-up and a meeting. Um, so I thought I'd take the opportunity to... Um, well, have an interview with him and two uh, to give my new uh, portable equipment a try out. So that was all good. So Steve's actually my first in-person interview. Um, but before we get to that, I just wanted to go through. It's actually just a short roundup of things that I've come across over the over the last week on the internet. And um, actually, just on this point, uh, before I do go through this, um, people have you know it's very cool, but people have started to um, tag me in posts on Facebook. On my personal profile, which um, whilst does get the information to me, it does have a tendency of ending up getting buried in, in all the other sort of day-to-day social media and Facebook things. So uh, if you have an event to promote, I'm absolutely more than happy to to help you out with that, within reason, obviously. Um, but if you could not, rather than tag me in the post, if you could actually um, message me the details or even better still, go on the the, the podcast web uh, sorry the podcast uh, Facebook group. Although you could go through the website, I guess, with an email. Um, but go on the podcast Facebook group. Uh, so if you search for "Keep Back with Chris uh, Martial Arts Podcast" on Facebook uh, and post it in there, it just means that I can sort of collate things a lot easier uh, rather than having lots of tags because people tag me in it, and I think, oh yeah, I'll, I'll get to that, and then. I have to then sieve back through hundreds of notifications trying to find the, the the tag. So yeah, rather than tag me in it, drop me a message or Facebook group or email. That would be great. Um, so starting off, we have on November the 11th, we have the BLCC um, Aero Kick back in the Brum. I like that. Back in the Brum Ring Light Continuous Event. Um, so this is taking place on Sunday the 11th. Uh, sorry, Sunday November the 11th at 9 a.m. till 7 p.m. So full on day there, as most tournaments tend to be. Um, it's taking place on Bissell Street Highgate which is in Birmingham um, so yeah like continuous events if you want any more information on that if you contact Mr Neil Kelly on Facebook um, again I'll put the details in the description uh, so you can go check that one out um, next we have another tournament on the 4th of November um, so this is a Vulcan Sport Karate Club which is based in Hull um, this looks like I'm just looking at the poster now uh, it mentions on there point sparring continuous um, and all the rules are listed on the, the poster itself so you can go check that one out again I'll put a link in the um, in the description for this one and that one's on the 4th of November um, so oh and it's actually a phone number on there it says 07 sorry 07972 so you can give them a call if you want to have some more information on that one um, next one we have uh co-host himself Mr. Matthew Chapman he's going to be um, holding a seminar at uh, Ronin Martial Arts in Leicester um, if you want some more uh, information on that one oh the date is uh, this, uh, Saturday the 20th of October um, these seminars are always really popular for good reason because Matt's Matt's pad work is absolutely brilliant if you've not seen it before either online or in person I do I do encourage you to go check it out um, but the number for more information is 07929 
793529. So give them a ring. Um, and that's uh, that's John Reed that's going to be hosting that one at Ronin Martial Arts in Leicester. So get in touch with them there. Um, so before we go on to um, our regular catch up with Matthew Chapman, um, I just wanted to go through this week's talking point. Now, this is one that people have brought up a few times uh, on the forums and just in, in messages and in conversation in person. And I think it's one that a lot of instructors um, do uh, come across. And I'm, I'm sad to say it's something that we've noticed more and more over the recent years. It's just a sort of a shift in in the way society thinks, I think. Um, but the one one whereas um, people are now more and more, I'm I'm seeing anyway, um, starting to treat black belt as sort of like the end. Um, and you know, uh, having students carry on past black belt now, I'm finding personally, you no know, no matter how I am changing up content or offering different different training options, it does seem to be becoming a more difficult thing. Um, my opinion on it, my thoughts on it, it tends to, I think it's sort of just the way that society is now. We're very sort of course orientated. Um, you know, people like to collect certificates and, and qualifications, and it, it, you know, there's very much this this feeling of, you know, once once you get the certificate, once you get the qualification, as people see it, that is the end. Um, for me personally, the way that I've always tried to encourage this, especially in younger students, is that, you know, your your black passing your black belt test is a little bit like uh, passing your driving test. You know, um, all the way through those driving lessons, you know, you, you, whilst you are learning how to control the car, you're not really learning how to drive, so to speak. You know, you're you're learning you're learning how to use the vehicle safely, um, and you're going through all the the movements in order to pass the test. But then once you've passed your test, and you get out the on the road, and you really start you know adventuring and getting you know, going out further to different places, that's that's really when you start learning how to drive. You know, um, all the little I remember you know little things like passing my test and then trying to figure out how to park on the drive because I'd never done that before, and that was a completely new challenge. And passing your black belt is a little bit you know it's the same. You know, you you spend years and years, and I'm not going to get into how long it should take to pass a black belt. Me personally, it took me ten years. I know nowadays, even in, in my school, it, it's nowhere near that amount of time. Um, and some, sadly, it's much, much shorter, but that's a conversation for another day. Um, but however long it takes you to get to, to black belt within your school or your teaching practice, you know, that that's almost like you're an, you're an advanced beginner, so to speak, you know. And once you become a black belt, that's when you really start to learn about the art, about yourself, you know, you, you're able to focus on, on new things, you know, the many styles of martial arts the journey through to black belt there's a lot of syllabus a lot of training requirements and there's a lot of continuous growth and when you become a black belt that for me anyway that that growth doesn't stop but it changes um you're you're, you know you're able to focus on specific areas a little bit more you're allowed to find out which areas you enjoy more maybe you want to go down more down the tournament route down the teaching route you know maybe you want to move to develop and learn different things but it's for me personally. I found that becoming a black belt was was it really was the start of my uh, the start of my martial arts journey as a as such. Um, and you know the the learning that's when the learning really really started. So if you're a student out there and you're you know you're training at the moment and you're thinking you know I'll get my black belt and then perhaps I'll take a break. Don't do that. You know it's 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 just the beginning. So keep keep with it. Keep training hard. Um, you know, get yourself on seminars like some of the ones that I've mentioned. You know, already in this today and 
and in other episodes. And by all means, do get in touch. You know, we've got an, a, a vast, vast network now of instructors that that contact the show and do work with us. And you know, and uh, you know, look into other opportunities, n- you know, new things to learn. There's there's so much out there. You know, and and enjoy the enjoy the the process. I was thinking about this the other day about um, my training and. You know, it'll be uh, 20 years next year since I began my um, journey t- as an instructor full-time. 20 years. It's, it's crazy to think how fast that has gone. And <laughs> it makes me sound really old. But, you know, um, it, it's... And I feel, I you know, I'm still learning. I'm still getting out there. I've, you know, very recently, um, very, very graciously, one of our uh, fantastic local instructors in the area, Mr. Matt Price, as I'm sure many of you know, you know, um, it allowed me to go to his school and, and to take part in, in one of his classes with one of my students. And, you know, that learning process never ends, you know, and um, we're always students, even as instructors, at least I think we should be anyway. Um, so, yeah, hopefully that out there that helps somebody. If you've got any questions on that one, any feedback or you disagree even, that's fine. Get in touch, let me know, and we can talk through things, and it's always good content for the show. So we're going to go to a quick break now, and on the other side of that break, we're going to be uh, catching up with Mr. Matthew Chapman, um, getting get those notepads and pens ready, ready to, to get learning, um, and I'll catch you on the other side. You're listening to Kick Back with Chris, the martial arts podcast, brought to you by www.onlinekicking.co.uk. Okay, guys, so joining us on the line, as we're always every week, we've got Mr. Matthew Chapman back to chat with us about, I should call it by its name, shouldn't I, Chit Chat with Matt? I like that. <laughs> I don't even care if you Get like it, right? It. I just like it. It's brilliant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, now, Matt's with us on the phone, to uh, giving us his time very graciously to talk to us all things business and martial arts related. How are we doing today, sir? I'm very, very well, thank you. And you? I'm good. I'm great, thanks. Um, nice, nice, stress-free week for a change, actually. So, I'm, uh, <laughs> so what, what we're gonna what we're gonna touch on this week? Um, I just wanted to talk about the three types of uh, martial arts business as I see it. Um, I've kind of categorised them into three types. So I thought that'd be an interesting topic today. Uh, I'm thinking what those three types might be now and where I fit into that. Cool. <laughs> we're about to find out oh here we go <laughs> so yeah um so in my opinion there's three types of martial arts business there's the hobby business there's the lifestyle business and then there's a the performance business and it's very important to understand that each type of business requires uh, a different skill set um it requires a different level of investment in terms of money and time um it also requires a different kind of mindset so if you try and run a performance business like a hobby business, you're going to go out of of business very quickly. So it's important to understand where you are and what the skills are needed for each area. Okay. Hobby, lifestyle and performance. Cool. Mm. All right. So how would you sort of differentiate them then? um, So I I would consider a a hobby business as a martial arts school where it's not the owner's main source of income. They have another job. Mm-hmm. And they just kind of teach on the side because it's their passion and it's a hobby, you know, and it gives them stuff to do and they enjoy sharing martial arts. So basically all their sort of um, financial resources come from their main job and on the side they have this extra class, which is which is really good, which is a lot of martial arts schools in the UK. Most of the uh, smaller schools are runners, hobby businesses. Okay. Um, for the life, lifestyle business, yeah. So that's when... Um, Maybe the hobby business is starting to take off and the instructor thinks, wow, I really am enjoying this. I don't want to work at McDonald's anymore. I can teach martial arts and, uh, and build a business and, and live the life I want to live, which essentially for most martial artists is teaching and training. Yeah. Um, so they then transition their hobby business into a lifestyle 
business, which requires um, a little bit, uh, well, a much higher level of skill in terms of learning how to run a business, how to do the financials, how to do your marketing, how to uh, set up your systems uh, and run it like that. So you can't run a lifestyle business like a hobby business because a hobby business, you can, you know, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, you know, you find another hall or you close it for a bit, it doesn't really matter, it doesn't affect your life. A lifestyle business, you know, your income is dependent on making it work. So you need better set of skills. You obviously still need the same coaching skills, but you also need the business skills to come up a level or two. Okay. And then performance. And then a performance business is, it can be a lifestyle business that's transitioned, but it's a business that is... Uh, no longer are you the main coach teaching, no longer are you doing the management, you know, like in a lifestyle business, it's quite common for the head coach to be doing teaching a lot of the classes and mopping the mats and doing the marketing and doing the admin. And you kind of uh, created yourself a little job there with a performance business. You're removing yourself from that, um, from them, those roles. And you're the owner of the business. You might do a little bit of coaching, but you generally employ other people to do all the other bits like the admin and, and all that so that your business can perform at a higher level um, employ more people and free up your time cool so i suppose the main point well, well one of the main points to really consider before looking at these is um all of those there's, there's nothing wrong with any of those but no, of what, is, what is important is that you kind of recognize where you're at and yes work appropriately to the level yes excellent Absolutely. i think i'm sort of floating between lifestyle and performance i'm sort of in that in-between stage of um, yes i really shouldn't be doing some of this anymore and i know i shouldn't be doing this anymore yes <laughs> but letting go of doing this is an issue which is something i need to work on and i appreciate no, it's that all martial, but... like, all martial arts are like that or control freaks that's why <laughs> just some of us are just more freakish than control freaks <laughs> but no that's that's really cool and I suppose what's interesting as well is that um, I suppose with some people they'll move up and down and that up and down that scale at different points within their career, shall yeah. we say? They maybe yes. start out as a hobbyist, go all the way through to performance level, and think, do you know, I want to do other things now. Take it yeah. right back to the hobby level, and and uh, interesting. interesting. Absolutely, I've spoken to a lot of martial arts instructors recently who have done that. Yeah, they started you know teaching a few classes a week and got very popular so they started teaching full-time and quit their other jobs um, to teach martial arts and then it got even bigger and they started taking on full-time centers and multiple centers and and um, satellites and all that and it wasn't for them they um they didn't enjoy just owning the business and not actually being involved they missed being on the mat they missed the nitty-gritty you know doing all that sort of work it's far more profitable for them but that wasn't the motivation enough for them mm. so they went back down to lifestyle business and kind of made it a bit smaller and a bit more manageable and they could still be involved in the day-to-day -day side of it so it, yeah there's no right or wrong you just have to be aware that the skills you have to run a hobby business don't translate to a lifestyle business and the skills you have to for a lifestyle business don't really translate to a performance business you'll need to increase your skills increase your knowledge increase your expertise to do that otherwise you're going to be in danger yeah and that's something that you know we all come across a lot especially with social media uh, the way it is now um people do tend to share their 
issues and and, and and i'm not issues where they're at shall we say with their business on, on yeah. facebook a lot more readily now and um yeah. and a lot of times you'll see people maybe in the hobby position they'll say i want to do this but i can't do it and you think well you you, you can it as you mentioned it takes a certain amount of um knowledge and you know yeah. you've got to go out and learn but it also just takes that self-belief to go i'm going to make this work and, yes. and and take that. I think that's the scariest part. I remember that. I, I well, I don't. <laughs> I was a bit silly in that I just took a building on with no members and thought, well, <laughs> I, I will make. I will make this work. And thank yeah, God it bridges. did. Thank God it worked. You know. Yeah. But um, you know, it, it's for anybody out there that is listening now that is in a position of maybe you're teaching two or three times a week and you want to go full time. Look, if I if I can make it work. I, any, yeah. anyone can make it honestly it can they're, 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 it, it's, it's I suppose it's, it's having safer. that self belief however I would advise it's safer not to do what you did and just take the jump yeah don't do that that was, <laughs> that learn, was silly learn to fly as you're falling <laughs> it's I, much safer to upgrade your skills uh, get a mentor who, who's already done it at a, a certain level yeah. of success um, and learn what you need to learn before you then take the jump and transition. So transition, for, keep your, your day job, build up your sort of a martial arts club until it's almost at the point where it can take over your day job, you know, you're, you're earning sufficient that it can swap. And then with this new skills that you've learned, you can jump up a level. Yeah, I suppose it is worth noting, to be fair, that, you know, at that time I had just come from working for two of the, arguably the biggest um, numbers-wise, schools in the country. So I was day to day, you know, six days yes. a week. I was around yes. the classes. I, I I saw all the processes. There. Yes. Yeah, was, you had a, well exactly. You got training on yeah, your job to I, learn how to run a martial arts school. Yeah. I didn't really fully understand and appreciate the um, the actual logistics of running a business, but I no. I knew how to run the bit. If that makes sense, I knew how to run the floor. I you know from yes. from them coming through the door to enrolling and carrying on. I would I did yes. all that. I just didn't have a clue about business rates or <laughs> you know, any of that sort of stuff until I, oh, I, I, I didn't even I didn't even know I didn't even know about planning permission I didn't even know planning permission oh. was a th or change of use was even a thing until I moved into the hairdressers and then the council yeah. came knocking and, and went weren't hairdressing. This, isn't, this isn't the hairdressers anymore no it's not what, what does that matter oh <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, like most martial artists, we kind of jump, and then we work out what to do on the way down. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but look, it worked out great for you. I'll just advise everyone else to don't, just don't, don't do that. No, <laughs> take baby steps towards your dreams and uh, no. upgrade your skills because you're not going to be able to turn a hobby business into a performance business uh, where you're the owner and you oversee the business, but you're kind of not involved in the day-to-day -day running of the business you, you you won't be able to do that with that skill set you have to Absolutely. upgrade your skills and i would think as well you know uh, back then this is what 2002 2003 so I, I kind of it's not still not really an excuse but i couldn't jump on the internet and find the information quite as readily no, um, true. now information there's there's not really any excuse to not know not know what you should know um, exactly. you, you have to go and find it absolutely but i would say now that the the the, the biggest issue for most people is going to be um that there's so much more going on now there's this you know uh, there's uh, more activities more martial arts schools there's more there's more of everything and you've yeah. got to sort of make yourself stand out 
from that. Yes. Well, um, so. Yes. Well, maybe we can talk about that in the next podcast. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm getting good at doing that now. <laughs> Leading on to the next one. <laughs> well, cool. thank thank you for your time again today, sir. Enjoy the rest of your day, whatever you're doing, and um, we'll catch up next time. Cheers. Thanks. Thank you. Enjoy our podcast. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Kickback with Chris on iTunes today. So thanks again to Matt for his time. As always, very, very valuable information for any instructors or school owners out there. It's, uh, it's a good good, good start point is that for anybody you know, looking to um, upscale their school, you know, um, you know, looking to go from being part-time to maybe a full-time centre. Or the other way around, maybe somebody who's had a full-time centre for a, for a number of times, maybe even decades, and you know, looking to scale things back. It's always a, it's always a good starting point, really, to, to be able to analyse your business and see where you're at, and then you know, you're, you're better able to make the decisions that you need going forward so yep thanks for matt uh, for coming on to the show and we'll look forward to speaking to him next week and as always don't forget if you've got any questions for us please do submit them um so then we're able to sort of collate those and we're, we'll, we'll sit down with matt when we're recording and we can we can go through those and uh, hopefully get some help out there to people um that is needed so, moving on to our interview now with Mr. Steve Lawson, who very, very, very kindly uh, gave up his time at the weekend for a quick chat. Um, as I say, at the start of the show, I've known Steve for, Steve for a number of years now. I've had the pleasure of working with him a number of times too. Um, and, you know, it's, uh, it was great to sit down with him and talk about old times, talking about how we both found our, our passion for, for martial arts movies and cinema. So, yeah, um, I'll uh, just cut to a quick break, and then after that, we'll go straight into the interview, and I'll uh, speak to you on the other side. You're listening to Kick Back with Chris, the martial arts podcast, brought to you by www.onlinekicking.co.uk. Okay, so joining us now, we've got uh, Steve Lawson, who's very kindly agreed to let me try out my new equipment on the go. Um, obviously, up until now, we've done nearly everything Skype, so this is my first in-person interview uh, with Steve, which is quite apt, really, because he gave me my first break in film, so... Um, we can have a chat a little bit about that way back when. That was a very, very long time ago. We won't say how, well, we might say how long ago anyway. Um, but no, I thought it'd be cool to get Steve on to chat about his love of filmmaking, martial arts movies. Um, and going back, which I think the best thing probably to do is to start, go back to the start. What was it that first got you into martial arts movies? Uh, probably it was, like a lot of people, it was seeing the Jonathan Ross interview with Jackie Chan in oh, 1989. How? Wow, okay, cool. I remember that. Because I was always into filmmaking, and so I watched that, it was called The Incredibly Strange Film Show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I watched every episode, but for some reason, the, ja the Jackie Chan one is the one that struck a chord. Yeah. And it's That's cool. straight after that, I just had to track down every Jackie Chan film I could find. <laughs> Which was hard. Yes. <laughs> Which was so hard. I remember I, I remember getting VHS copies. I, I, what did I find? It was in a petrol station. One of them I found that I couldn't find anywhere. Was it was it Fearless High? I can't remember, but I remember I've been looking for it for ages. And it was in a petrol station in Doncaster, of all places. But now anybody from back then can can empathise with that difficulty. So, um, did you do you, you had some? Did you do? Would you self taught, or did you have some martial arts training or anything? Oh yeah, um, after, again after, because of getting into Jackie Chan movies, I then got involved in training. I was doing oh, yeah. taekwondo, of course, yeah. and I did uh, gymnastics. I didn't know about the gymnastics. Yeah, well, really? Because you know, back in the day, there was nobody that was teaching film martial arts or anything wow. like nowadays. So I had to join like a, a basically a little girl's gymnastics <laughs> club. You know the sort of thing. I'm sure you're, you're. I've got the image now. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, I wasn't the only the only boy in there because I was only like 14, 15. Right. Um, but yeah, I did kind of 
Wow, that's exactly so blend cool. In. So yeah, so, so that's why I learned. Um, basically, got a lot of flexibility from yeah. doing that, and I could do kip ups, and I could do obviously basic stuff. Spin around bars. I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> so yeah, so I was, I was not too bad. Excellent. I didn't know about the gym. I knew about the martial arts, but I, I couldn't remember off the top of my head whether you'd had the classes or whether you, you know, you would. There's many of us did at the time, just learned in the garden. <laughs> I certainly did that well, to yeah, start with. When, when you're a kid, you think, when I grow up, I'm going to be the next Jackie Chan. So I was doing all the stuff. And then obviously reality dawns later on. Well, I- I've seen some of the early things. So touching on that, um, obviously, did you, have a, did you have a passion for filmmaking at the same time, around the same age? Or did that come... Because you were, I know you were making, you were actively making your own short films and things even. Yeah, the filmmaking, the filmmaking came first. Right. Always been obsessed by films since... For as long as I can remember, my entire life wow. even before this, yeah. Okay. Um, so I was always making films, and then it was just from that point on, I was making martial arts films instead of other things. Yeah, because um, some of your, I remember seeing, and you showed me some of your earlier stuff, when, uh, and you've used some of the footage as well, haven't you, in, in things before. I remember, you know, the, some of the stuff you did is actually quite dangerous, really, when you, when you look back on it, if you think about it. Was there, um, there was something where you span around... Something I know was something involving a car and something else. I remember. Oh, oh and you did, and the, was it dead? Dead lane when you were getting dragged behind the a van. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, again, because I thought I could be the next Jackie Chan, so I was doing. Yeah, the one you're thinking of. It's um, I was being chased by a car and I jumped up. That's right. Overhead bar. And That's right. Like it was a bit of Operation Condor. Yeah. Swinging out of the way of the car. Yeah. Well, I was young and I was quite fit and that, able to do that stuff. Yeah. And that's yeah. I, I I thought I could be the next Jackie Chan. But unfortunately, I'm terminally lazy. Because <laughs> you've got to do, do you know what I mean, if I'd have kept at it, you yeah. know, and kept in shape and probably had my teeth fixed and had a few nips and tucks, like, you know, maybe. <laughs> but I was just too lazy to carry on doing all that stuff. But no, I, I, I remember being quite impressed by the one when you literally, what was it, bits of cardboard and stuff in there? Stuffed in my trousers. And yeah. then got dragged, dragged by a van while somebody filmed it. It was quite impressive, really. Um, so what, at what point What point did you decide, no, actually, I'm going to focus on the, the filmmaking instead of chasing the ambition of being in the films as the action star? Um, probably just seeing myself because um, after I, years of doing the Taekwondo, I did a bit of um, uh, traditional Kung Fu okay. and just found that because I'm six foot four mm. and the stances and the movements and that kind of, they don't work when you're that tall. You mm. look like an idiot. Right. And there's no point when you're six foot four white guy trying to do like Jackie Chan kind of <laughs> moves. It doesn't suit the, the height and the body shape. And Sorry the, for killing your dreams right now, folks. <laughs> And I, and also I did have some health problems as well, which made right. me stop training. Um, but just generally, no, I, it just be, I think you grow up, you realise you're not going to be a movie star, mm. but maybe. And also, I, I was doing um, theatre directing and acting and stuff at university, right. and I found I was better at the directing than I was at the acting. Mm. And so yeah, that's why I went down that. Okay. Route. Okay. Yeah, and um, obviously we, as many people already know, we share a love for Hong Kong cinema. And and what? How did you? first get into that was it was what was the first film do you remember the first film i remember my first film that sparked my interest um do you remember which film it was and when well, the first one i saw uh, after seeing that the documentary yeah. with jonathan ross the first film i got was police story yeah so that's a good start yeah you can't really get any better than that yeah as an introduction i, I mine was the, mine was the wrong way around i mean i'd seen films but i hadn't really twigged and my my the most that i'd been sort of experienced or exposed to was 
um, the, the little bit parts that you do like in Cannonball Runs and stuff like that. I, I, saw I must have seen Cannonball yeah. Run. I know I had, but obviously didn't didn't yeah, register yeah, at the time. That was the first thing that I'd seen and I didn't really, you know, I'd seen um, Western stuff. I'd seen like Karate Kid and, you know, some of the John Club and that. But the, the first Jackie Chan film I actually sat and watched was Run with the Bronx. So I was late. So it was actually, it was quite, it was quite cool in that respect because I, I saw Run in the Bronx and then went back. You had the re- whole back catalogue yeah, to enjoy. Yeah, I went through yeah. everything. Um, whereas you, you were the other way around. And so I, I've always been waiting for another Rumble in the Bronx. I, mean, that, that, I, 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 was, I think it was a great first film to get in on, but he's never really made another, another film like that since. You know, because like, it was quite a, an angry, you know, he's going out to hurt people in that. And, and he's not really done that since. So anyway, yeah, live I think, hope. <laughs> I think there was a lot of, there was a different attitude to the fights mm. in those earlier films that seemed to disappear in the, in the later films. Yeah. It all became about, no, I don't want to hurt you, sorry, running away, rather than just going mm. out and hitting mm. people. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so police story and then, because um, did we, I mean, obviously I wasn't, I wasn't watching them then. Did we get them in sort of chronological order or did we, the UK was, did we get them in sort of a bit of a back to front order of, of releases? In those days, it was fairly, you just got them, they came out in the right order. Mm. But obviously, months after, I mean, from my from my point of view, it was more a case of tracking down all the, the back catalogue. Because even then, when Police Story was out, there was there was all the early eighties and seventies mm. stuff around that you could find, but you had to really dig for it. It was Drunken Master too. There was the one I, I couldn't find. Well, it, that never got released. Yeah, I got yeah. the I got the VHS. I got a VHS copy of it. It cost me twenty quid on eBay, and it was just a VCD copy. Somebody transferred to video and it was awful quality, but I was so happy I got this film that you couldn't get. It's because that was at the time when the American studios got interested in Jackie Chan and started mm. buying up all his films. Right. Because from like because obviously that was just before Rumble in the Bronx, but it was mm. about that time. Before then, there was a steady stream of them coming out. They used to come out on a label called American Imperial or something. Yes. And they would always come out. But then once the American studios got interested, then they bought up all the films. And then you couldn't get them, or they came out in the wrong order, or mm. they came out years later. Uh, years later, in the case of like, Drunken Master yeah, 2. And Thunderbolt, TV. you couldn't get for years. Yeah, I, I, was, I remember that was randomly on Channel 4 or something. Yeah, it never got released, it yeah. just was on TV. I remember, like, at the time, text, it's on now, get it re- and it's, it's subtitled, get it, get it recorded quick. And it's just randomly on TV. Cool, so um, moving on now to uh, the martial arts movie side of thing when you decided to try and start making them in the UK of all places was that was that tricky tricky to start with finding people and yeah well it was the very early days of the internet so you could just about find and get in touch with people but it was way before social media yeah so it was just random oddballs that you found like like me on Jackie Chan forums posting videos of myself yeah as I say random oddballs (laughs) you could find hey I was young and desperate (laughs) but no it's um and and do you think um, obviously you were, you were, you were, you were working at the time weren't you as a videographer were you working at the time? yeah um, no not at first when we first started and we we had our first collaboration mm. I was just in a regular desk, desk job oh right okay didn't realize that. in fact I went part time when we were in post on Insiders which was our first mm. sort of attempt at making a film I went part time thinking this is my film career kicking off here I'm going to go part time on the desk job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And do, do the post on this film, which goes never went anywhere. Mm. Wow, I didn't realise that. Um, cool. So, what? 
obviously you just mentioned the insiders there that was the first bigger one but before that obviously we had the short films mm -hmm. and actually what's really cool is um i was thinking thinking back on this actually on the drive over um the amount of people that were involved in those earlier shorts that you shot quite a lot of them now have gone on to big things when you look at some of the names and people that were involved in some of those early shoots uh, because there was nobody else doing anything really there was there was the well, we, we were all trying to do our own things on you know camcorders that we were picking up from curries and stuff but it wasn't the same and um you know i think it was that was a sort of time where it was it obviously it was expensive but things was just starting to change weren't they camera it was starting to become a little bit more affordable um, yeah, and and obviously nowadays everything is very different. Digital now. editing, yeah, was still fairly new. Yeah. Not many people were doing it. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember having the VHS C camcorder and hooking it up to the and oh yes, editing yeah. with the pause and play and recording. <laughs> Those were the days. Um, so then moving on from there, that was the next. next oh, what did we work? Was it Silence? So was how many years after that was the, there was a couple of years? Yeah, yeah we started because. I think Insiders was 2002 mm. and we started The Silence in 2004. It was quite a big step yeah. up as well, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. I, I personally, I felt, if you've not seen it out there, guys, uh, you should go look it up because it's definitely worth what I think. Not just because I'm in it, but I, I think it's, I, it still stands up. It's really, it's there really there's some really good action in that. I mean, it's better than anything I've shot since in terms of action. Because we, I mean, we had crazy, we had big stunts. Yeah. We had people going through windows and yeah. all sorts. And, yeah. Motorbike crashes, yeah. which was accidental, but we got it filmed, <laughs> so we put it in. Of course, I forgot about that. Of course, man, and yeah, the, some of the best stuff was accidental. In fact, the first, the first thing that I worked on you with in in Doncaster, um, in two, I want to say two thousand and two. I think it was two thousand one or two. And I got hit in the room and I got hit in the face yes. with that stick and smashed. I still got, still got a hole in my face from that. <laughs> the slightly wonky nose. Um, I thought, what was that for? I can't remember. It was just for fun. I thought it was. It was fun, I can't remember. I thought, I thought it was for something. Oh, uh, I think it was for that Jonathan Ross TV That's show, it. which That's they never it. used it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Their loss. It was good. It was a fun little thing. That's something I can't talk about. Even though I got yeah, even though I got hit in the face, and then we had to keep that in. <laughs> that hurts. That hurts. That was that was that was a wake up call to the the dangers of working in in, in films, it's martial arts. Doing fight scenes with weapons, don't do it. No, because it's when you got weapons that people get hurt. And 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 do it with somebody who knows what they're doing. I don't know. I don't know. I don't speak to the guy who's working. With. If he ever listens to this, it was very easy. All he had to do was hit the stick into my hands, and you somehow managed to miss my hands and hit me in the face. I can still pick the foot. It's got, it slipped. It slipped it's, over your fingers. Probably yeah. a bit of a sweaty hand or something. Yeah. It slipped and. Straight into your face, yeah, and still picture that footage. Yeah, and uh, somebody said, "Oh, that's good. That's good effects. It's not effects. That's my face." <laughs> and I had a pur pur green and purple face for about two weeks afterwards. In fact, I wasn't allowed to go to work for the first couple of days because it looked so horrific that they wouldn't let me teach the kids' classes. <laughs> Big green face. But it's not a good advert for the club, is not it? Really? <laughs> Couldn't learn from this guy that can't defend himself. Um, yeah, the call and. Um, Obviously, since then, I mean, the, the, I think it was it was not long after the silence because obviously I don't think people appreciate that you know you, it's not a case of you know you make the films two weeks and then come and buy the film you know there's a long process involved and it's you know sometimes it's a very frustrating process um, but obviously it wasn't long after that the, the sort of martial arts movie scene in the, the the country sort of was on started to go on the decline didn't it and less and less films were popping up. And do you th was there a reason for that, or do you think it was just? I don't moods? remember. 
being so much of a decline, but it was never that big in the first place. It was us doing it, about mm. two other people, mm. and that was about it. So naturally, I, I don't know. It just felt to me that there was a period where there was a lot going on. There was like there was something every year, at least one, if not two, things every year that had some sort of martial arts content in, and then all of a sudden it just and it went. Um, but I think it was a there was a downturn in independent film because certainly for our point of view, we were shooting on like mini DV mm. back in the day, which was at one time of amazing, fantastic invention. And then with something like the Silencer, we took it as far as you could go with mini DV to try and make it look cinematic and yeah. all that kind of thing. And then you just couldn't get anything any better. And then a few years later, the 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 DSLRs started coming out, and then mm. suddenly independent filming rocketed because mm. suddenly you could shoot stuff that looked like a real movie. Yeah. And yeah. that's when it all took off again. Yeah. And hopefully it carries on. There seems, seems to be a bit more interest in the minute. Do you think you would like to return to that side of thing? Do you really like to make another, like, the silencer part two? Even not, quieter still. <laughs> not the silencer part two, but yeah. I'm desperate, still silent. I'm desperate to make a martial arts movie because I just all the ones I'm seeing nowadays are so unsatisfying yeah. to me. Yeah. They just don't have the, I know what you mean. the old... 80s films. I know what you mean. I've I've found when when I got here, have you seen this? Not watched it. Have you seen this? I've not watched it. I just I don't know what it is at the minute. I don't. And it's not. This is not saying anything bad about anything anybody's making or even you know bigger budget stuff. It doesn't seem to be that excitement at the minute. I remember it, 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 even back way back where I can remember when Ong Back first came out and the hype behind that. The hype. It was like, have you seen this? Oh, you've got to watch it and. There doesn't seem to have been anything since. It's like they hype it up in the trailer, then you watch it and you kind of go, mm, yeah, seen all that, it's been done. So there's not, you know, who who is the next Jackie Chan or the next Tony Jaa? You know, they don't seem to be, they don't seem to be coming through. I don't know if that's, is that just a train changing attitudes or is it just, a, you know, too many people now or um, the market wants different things? People aren't prepared to put time in. <laughs> I think there's, I don't know, there's, there's loads of talented martial artists and choreographers out there. So like we said earlier, when you when you go on YouTube and you find these groups that are making these short fight yeah. scenes and things, there's some amazing stuff that's yeah. really, really good. But it doesn't seem to be translating from going beyond there into actual proper feature films. Mm-hmm. The action you see in the, in, in the proper films is just uninspiring. And um, Is that, do you think, is that just, I don't know, people... Th- the people in, in charge not thinking that's you know people are oh, people won't want that or is it just time budget is it why <laughs> it's probably it's definitely time and budget's got to yeah. come into it because that's the thing I learned when you go from like when we did the silencer nobody was getting paid we were all just mm-hmm. doing it for the love of film and we did and mind, it was an enjoyable process and we didn't mind part. spending 20 takes to get yeah. a really cool bit of choreography done yeah that's right but now I'm shooting stuff on a tight budget and you got you're paying everybody a day rate you cannot spend half a day getting one shot. Mm. There just isn't the time, mm. and that's that is. The, and even on, you know, it's no different from doing small budget independent films to massive big yeah. Hollywood movies. Yeah, you can't spend ages and ages getting a really cool bit of choreography or something. It's much quicker just all shake the camera around, have a sound effect. Yeah, because the, the industry kind of went through a, a period, didn't it, where um, the Matrix and things that came out, and people were really latching onto the. Uh, Hong Kong cinema style choreography, but everybody was trying to do it, and then it just sort of seemed to sort of revert back to what it was. Though this nice it's, tight it's, shot, shake around. It's hard you know? work, isn't it? That's the it's, yeah, that's it, I suppose. 
That's it, I suppose. Um, but no, you've, I suppose you live in hope. You've got things like John Wick, the John Wick franchise. I don't know what you think about that, but I quite... Yeah, it's a bit... Oh, I, see, I, really, right. I, I liked it. I like them. I think they're good. I'm, I'm quite... I'm actually looking forward to part three. Um, I think in, mo- in part because Mark Cascos is in it. And he's a bit of a underused, underutilized person. I think, you know, um, is some, certainly somebody that isn't used enough. I don't know if you share that opinion on that, but... Um, you're thinking, yeah. I mean, <laughs> could have could have been a big star. I don't know why he is. Hey, why? Well, exactly. Why not? I mean, I mean, he was doing kind of A-list movies back in the what 90, early nineties. Yeah, because he, he went through a period. He, he did. What was it Cradle to the Grave? Was it? No, before that. But he was but yeah. Oh yeah. The, the yeah, Double Dragon and yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh the yeah, Capoeira ones. Those were kind of only the strong, borderline A-list movies. Wow. Well, they're not. I never watched them. But <laughs> do you know? You never watched any I was always, I was already into Hong Kong films. Any American oh, martial arts films in those days. You should, you should, yeah, you should give. Well, you watched Drive, obviously. Yeah, uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, that's that's great. There was there was they were trying to get Drive Two off the ground at one point. I remember reading, but um, he's some yeah. So I, I'm 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 hoping that you know they're going to give him. I would imagine they have. He's, I believe he's playing the, the sort of lead villain, so that would be good to see him getting used properly. Not that he's acting. Him acting isn't being used properly, but I would like to see him in that you know, that sort of martial arts role and um, show him what he can do because he's still very good um, from the bits he puts up on Instagram and things like that. So very cool. So um, what, what's what's next then what, 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 that you can talk about? Uh, well, as you know, uh, the most recent film, well, a couple of films back, we did a film called Essex Heights. Yes. Which uh, not a martial arts film as such, mm. but I managed to shoehorn as it's a, flurry. Fight scene, a fight scene into it. Just because I wanted to, yeah, well, because you could, yeah, and, of course. Um, <laughs> and as it happens, that film was the most successful film I've done. It was very popular. Oh, congratulations! So, uh, just to fill people in, since those days that we were talking about before, I'm, I've kind of become known for doing horror films. Yes, just because as a low budget filmmaker, that tends to be the genre that you get asked to do. And, mm-hmm. But yeah, um, we managed to get shoehorn a fight scene into Essex Heist, and because um, it did well, I know sort of putting together a project which will be an action film which will have fight scenes in it I'm just speaking to various producers at the minute to try and get it off the ground with a Mm. a slightly more decent budget Mm. to make it viable and um, yeah hopefully fantastic that will be the next thing hopefully I get offered a job that'd be cool (laughs) no joking aside it's it's great it's great to see I mean um, I you know what you mentioned before about the silencer that was I've to date probably one of my most enjoyable experiences working in film because as you say it was you know we were, we were involved and everybody we were all pitched in and all did a little bit somebody out with this and then somebody out with that and um it was it was a good vibe and even 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 the scrapyard guy was good <laughs> can't talk about him because no. the, the who's it the cia will uh, understand <laughs> Funny. Well, thanks very much for your time today, Steve. That tw- that twenty minutes has absolutely whizzed by. If anybody's interested in finding out more about yourself and the studios, where would be the best place to go? Uh, the website is www.creative-studios.com, and that's creative spelled without an e on the end. Okay. And we also have a YouTube channel, Instagram, Twitter, yep. Facebook, etc. So you go check him out at all those places, and um, maybe maybe when. Uh, the film's shot and ready to release. We can get it back on. We can have a chat about that. Um, exciting times. And uh, thanks again, Steve. Thank and, you. Um... You're listening to Kick Back with Chris, the martial arts podcast, brought to you by www.onlinekicking.co.uk. 
Thanks again to Steve for his time. Uh, really fun. Had a really good time catching up with him, actually, and just chatting through, um, you know, all things martial arts, uh, kung fu cinema related, as well as, you know, uh, possibilities of working together in the future, which is always, always really exciting. Um, so moving on to next week's episode and actually all the, you know, the, the next sort of run of episodes. Now, um, for the next episode, we've actually got uh, number 20 coming up, which has absolutely, I don't, I just, it, I was saying to my wife the other day, and she doesn't actually listen to these, and <laughs> says it all really, doesn't it? But no, um, I was talking to my wife about it, and she, even she was surprised, like, you know, episode 20 already, that has come around so fast. And, you know, chatting to a, a few different people, thought about, you know, like, do something special for episode 20. So if anybody has any ideas, please do get in touch. Um, obviously, I've got a couple of weeks to try and plan this one. Um, but no, if, you, if you've got any ideas, any any uh, guest ideas, or, you you know, you want to be on here yourself, then please do get in touch. Uh, likewise, now that I'm able to get out and about on the, on the road with the kit, you know, if you've got any events coming up or, you know, you just want to have a chat, um, you've got something that you feel might be interesting for the show, again, get in touch. You can... Uh, contact me at uh, the website which is kickbackpodcast.com um, alternatively you can also get me on my email with directly which is chrisjonestkd at gmail.com um, or old fashioned way if you want to my, my phone number which is 07802 um, you can also get us through the kickback with chris uh, martial arts podcast uh, facebook group if you just search for kickback with chris oh and also I forget we've all, we're also on twitter and instagram now as well so if you if you go on there and you search for Kickback with Chris on either Twitter or Instagram, you should find us on there as well. Um, you know, more so with the Twitter stuff. If you can, if you can share when when we're posting the um, the the shows each week. The, the number one best thing that people can do to help right now is uh, review and subscribe on iTunes. And the number two, um, arguably number one, as in some people's eyes, I would say, is to share the links for the shows as well to get 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 the news out there. You know, um, I, I get so many really nice emails and messages from people saying how much they enjoy the show. And the biggest thing that I like to stress to them is please go rate and review it. You know, um, rather than just tell me how much you like it, tell the world how much you like it on there. Um, and as well, just share the link to share them, share them, share them like crazy um, just so that we can keep uh, raising stats on those numbers of listeners and keep pushing forwards. So yeah, any ideas for episode 20 for the next show, please do get in touch. Um, I might be coming bending your ear soon anyway, trying to get you on the show. Um, be cool to get... You know, it might be cool to get a uh, number of guests on for episode 20 or even the theme, a suggested theme might be a cool thing. But yes, um, I look forward to hearing from you and I'll, um, I'll chat to you all very soon.